0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 39 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Lisa Wilcox, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Lisa. Welcome back. It seems like forever since you were on the show. It was only three weeks ago.
2: I know it, but it has been a long time. Three weeks is quite a long time. In the meantime, you've been very busy, I hear.
1: Yeah, been busy uh, with the shows and actually getting ready to launch the jumping radio show as well. So that that's going to be fun. Um, just trying to find some co-hosts that will do the wonderful job that you guys do um, on the Dressage Radio show. So uh, in that process at the moment, but I think that will be fun. And then doing the three Olympic disciplines, I think, will be enough. I think I can stop there, especially with a oh. weekly show. <laughs> no, but that's fantastic. I think people can get by myself
2: i'd love to hear about what they're doing in the jumping if you get george morris on he can give you
1: an that's idea of where he's headed with the the team for the wake oh that'd be fun yes i think it will be fun each of them you know are individual we you know we have some wonderful guests on these shows and uh, you know i'm looking forward to getting the jumping one going as well and uh um, I've just recorded, actually, the eventing radio show for this week, and I had to share with you, Lisa, there's something that you guys, I don't think, would ever have a problem with. Um, maybe when you lived in Germany, but then you'd have been indoors. Um, they had a, uh, an event in uh, Pine Tops, Georgia, this past weekend. Ah, where, where Did the- I see snow over there? <laughs> snow. <laughs>
2: God, I, I did see a picture somewhere. Oh, dear. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, what they did—it was amazing. They had several divisions, and they pulled it off. And the the organizers were snow ploughing the arena, and snow ploughing, um, you know, access to the arena. But you couldn't ride apparently around the outside of the arena. They had to warm up inside the dressage arena, which are, you know, because down there in Pine Tops, it's all on sand. So you had the yeah. snow on sand. So the footing was okay, but of course the horses would feet would ball up. So. Uh, Everybody was sharing hoof picks to pick out their feet before they went in the dressage arena. Uh, and they were able imagine? to complete this? They had, they event? managed to run the up, they snowplowed the, the cross country course, they managed to uh, compete in, uh, in several divisions. Uh, it really was just uh, amazing that, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's a tribute to the, the, the horse community in general, Lisa, isn't it? You know, how dedicated they are to actually making these events happen you know it it it, it really is tremendous spirit to you know you know schools would just call it a snow day you know no kidding but those guys are tough as nails i would have called it a snow
2: day <laughs> yes. personally i would have said hey no i'm out of here but these guys i'm just full to go to go the length and and complete it yeah but the Oh, anyway. But they're tough. They're fit. And you know what? They need to get their, their, their routines in. They've got, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time if you think about it. It is just cruising down to wake time.
1: Well, that's right, you know, and this is one of the earliest runs for, you know, many of our top horses that are getting ready for the, you know, the the bigger events in the spring season. But, you know, like at Dressage you don't just go straight to the big events and you, you've you got to work your way and, you know, get get the horses fit and back into competition fitness, you know.
2: Yes, you do. And mm. I've been watching a, long, a lot of them uh, training here with Odette Shimoni here at the barn. So it's been kind of fun to keep up with uh, who's got what and uh, they're looking pretty good, the whole group.
1: Yeah, so, and so what have you been doing? Uh, talking about me, but you, you, you've been busy this past three weeks. always showing. Yes, ma'am. I have had uh, the, my rider has been out with Dadola, which
2: is the brother of the guy that I'm preparing for. Probably, you know, I was focusing toward the wake, but I really think it's going to be too early for him, so it'll be more of a 2012. It's a beautiful uh, seven-year-old stallion. we did fourth free with and she was placed with a 65 percent first time out but that's that developing horse test and we're going to run this year doing the developing horse with him and it's looking good it's looking really good i'm impressed with that and then of course organizing the auction for high life farms that we're having on march 28th um and we have got some beautiful offspring we've got You know, the seven-year-old stallion that I ride, Diamond Stud, which is a diamond hit Lavarino Rhodiamont, black, four white socks. We've got his offspring, some phenomenal young horses. Exceptional movement. So what I want to be doing is I'll do a demonstration with Ernst Hoyers with Diamond Stud, and then we'll auction off his offspring directly thereafter. So I'm having a lot of fun actually organizing this, and I think I might have Stefan Peters committed to coming up. Um, and uh, perhaps Robert Dover, come on in. And then Lauren Huff is asking George Morris for me, and I hope, hope, hope that he does. I'm begging that he comes and does some commentary when she rides Prezioso. He's the son of one of the top stallions we have, Pilox. And uh, so we have a bunch of his offspring running over the auction. So I think it's going to end up being a very educational as well as exciting evening regarding the auction. But we're going to try to present the development of a seven-year-old into the Developing Horse program, which, you know, Jessica is riding right now, my rider. And then my seven-year-old, a little bit behind the seven-year-old she has and working with the changes, working with the half steps. And then we'll go on in with uh, the Euro, the Euro. And then if I could get Robert or or Stefan, either one to stand with, with and we'll just discuss the development and this long-term process toward 2012, and work with some of the, you know, Piaf and the Passage and the One tempies and explain how we train and pr- in preparation. And two years goes quickly. That's uh, mm. that's gone quickly. So I'm really looking forward. So we're in the in the organizational phase of it all, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be exciting. And I've just been going through some photos for the catalog. So anyway. That it sounds a lot of fun, yeah, really,
1: yeah. Yeah, that on top of everything else. But that's an interesting project to, to uh, you know to really get involved with because you know you, it just gives you the opportunity to see things from a different perspective, doesn't it? You know, even the horses that well, you're looking at all the time.
2: Exactly, and I so enjoy the bloodlines. I mm. I so enjoy the the breeding aspect and and looking at what these young stallions are producing and and the athleticism and using. We've got dressage line with jumping line, and it makes for an athletic horse, Mm -hmm. a good, sturdy, athletic animal. And uh, I think the jumping pedigree mixed in with the dressage is is very important, and we have those examples at this auction. And so very excited, very, very, and and stunning, stunning creatures.
1: Oh, yes, some real quality, quality horses.
2: Beautiful, and here in our own backyard. It's not like we have to travel over to Europe.
1: No, well, exactly. You know, and I was talking to to, to Debbie McDonald, I think it was, uh, recently about this. You know, the depth of and quality of the horses we have in this country now. As you say, we don't have to go to Europe anymore. We've we've developed such a base here.
2: We're really we're really having getting an understanding. and We're getting a hold of very 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 good uh, pedigrees yeah. and exceptional broodmares, and that's that's a very very important part of the broodmares. They're like eighty percent of the equation. And then, of course, our good stallions. So I think that the Americans are understanding and able to get a hold of the quality we need to produce great stock with. Mm -hmm. Before, I think we came home with the leftovers, everything no one else (laughs) wanted, thinking we got a deal. But uh, now we're understanding what that good horse is.
1: And uh, that's what now, we're getting a hold of. you and I have talked about the breeding before, Lisa. Is this something that you became more interested in when you were based in Germany? Or is it something that you've always uh, you know, been very keen on to, to learn about the breeding of these horses?
2: No, it developed in Germany. Because I always happened to get a job. You know, if you're going to look for a job, as, a, as an American going over to Europe, go to the breeding farms. They need riders, so uh, that's the, I basically everywhere I got a job, it happened to be a breeding facility, and so my knowledge of of uh, bloodlines and and breeding and competition and generations, understanding generations and how their characters develop and this and that and the other. That, that I became aware of in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um very, very uh you know, one thing you have to do as a as an employee for these you have to know third generation. So it's if they come up and ask you what are you riding, it had to slip off your tongue like Diamond Hit Laverina Rodemont. <laughs> really? Three generations. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's a must. It yes. is a must. You go to Schakemuler their their employees have to know to the third generation, what they're sitting on. Yeah. There are no excuses. So it's, it's very important, bloodlines. And I understand the importance of it as I see how the offspring developed. And as I began to, of course, write all the Rubinstein's, the Rhodiamont's, the Royal Diamonds, and their offspring, and so on and so forth, there's so many key factors that, or strong genes and genetic that continue through. And you'll see different mare lines that that buffer it or either it gets lost or produce something even better than it was. And so you start to understand what crosses better with what. And when you can go back to third generation and know that horse as a sport horse and understand him as a sport horse, it's amazing, the, the thought process and the planning that goes into it and of course it is a lottery a little bit but they've got it so down to a science that you really know what exactly it is you're producing.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, it's not this
2: just a... this is cute and that's cute and let's just right. try it. They <laughs> really know what it is they want and are going after in these you know in in the yeah. in what they're pairing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, as wow. you say, it's it, it's a science, and it has been in Europe for so long now. It's good that that knowledge is is over here now in the states, and thanks to people like you that have really got their arms around it and understand the importance of it.
2: Well, it's fun to be working with a farm like High Life that encourages my involvement.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: she's she's very keen on her mare stock, and and that's what's made her so good at what she's doing, but. um you know, just the feedback from the rider. Well, what do you think? What's his character like? What do you feel with gait, uh potential, all of it? How is he as an athlete? And uh, what do you think of him as a stallion? Uh, at least they are caring to ask that rather than to stick to their guns and say, no, I want to do it this way regardless of what the mm-hmm.
1: feedback. Mm-hmm.
2: So this has been uh, very, very much fun to work with Joan.
1: Interesting. And I think this is a subject we should talk about in depth uh, in a future show, uh, Lisa, and, and, you know, maybe provide some tips for our listeners on, on the selection and breeding process of dressage horses in this country today, because obviously you have a keen insight into that process. Would love to. All right. Wonderful. (laughs) Uh, A a subject dear to your heart. Well, this week uh, we've got uh, an interesting show, Lisa, because I talked to the F.E.I. uh, Director of Dressage and Paradressage um, earlier this week, Tron Asmir. He's been in position now for less than a year, um, but of course it's come at a time when an awful lot is happening at the FEI over in Lausanne, and not, not least of all with the controversial roll Corps debate. And I asked him um, about the FEI's. Uh, deliberations that took place just a few days ago in uh, at the IOC, actually, also in Lausanne, where they met to discuss and make recommendations on that. So uh, we'll be catching up with Tron, Tron's conversation with me just a little bit later on in the show. But first, before we do that, we have a few items of news this week, uh, and not least of all with some great competition re- uh, results, uh, Lisa. And, of course, always something yeah. hap- always something happening. In, in Wellington, and uh, we should mention our other co-host here at the uh, Dressage Radio Show, Heather Blitz. She had a wonderful with, uh, result with Paragon, her seven-year-old, in the second saint George competition of his career. And within the space of two weeks, he has won both of those classes, this time with a 76.8%, which was also... Wow.
2: Go, nice. Heather. Awesome. What,
1: what a fantastic result uh, for, for her, Lisa.
2: Fabulous. That those scores are that's that's awesome. That just goes to show you those two are on a a very good way. And I can imagine she's going to be working around her and Passage and have those little <laughs> one-time fees on. And this will be that looks like a pair we might be could be preparing for 2012. Yeah, well, uh, with scores you, like that, looks like she's got like the Saint uh, yep. George no problem. <laughs> Onward.
1: And upward. Onward and upward. And and as I said, they won the award for the highest score of the show at the Wellington Classic Dressage Spring Challenge, which uh, featured both CDI and national uh, competitions. Um, But, yes, I think very exciting. And this horse, you know, is seven years old, and he's 18 hands, Lisa. Oh, He's seven seven years old, 18 hands. And, you know, Heather's no shorty. She's six foot tall, so she fits him. But you can imagine climbing on him every day.
2: Do you know that I have a six year old, Sandro Hit Daydream, that is 18 three hands? Oh, really? And he's just learning his flying changes. So, Heather, if you're looking for something a little bigger, <laughs> I have one. <laughs> and he is actually dainty on a feet. Very, oh, very really? nice movement. But I, I do sympathize with her. I know that feeling. But uh, I bet it's a beautiful picture. How tall is Heather? Six feet. Yeah. Oh, well then.
1: Yeah. She needs that. She needs. She needs a big, big horse, and yeah. But he's a big boy, and uh, and it looks
2: like he's making a big impression. That's a 76 is a is a fabulous score for Priest
1: Saint George. Yeah, it really, it really is. Well, well done to her, and also uh, to our other co-host, Protégé. You know, Debbie McDonald, uh, uh, of course, is a regular here on the show as a, a co-host. And uh, her rider, Adrian Lyle, had a wonderful weekend over at the Thermal CDI uh, this past weekend with the uh, three wins. She won the Grand Prix, the Grand Prix Special, and the Cur, the Freestyle. There, with uh, Look at that. two yeah. different horses, a wonderful result. Yeah.
2: Looks like Felix is coming right along. I remember Felix with Debbie, and yes. uh, as he was just when I was out riding Naomi, she had Felix in uh, Oldenburg, and so our little guys were kind of just learning what a Grand Prix was about. But it looks like he's really coming along. Yes. Fun to see her student on her horses doing so well. Yeah, absolutely, Debbie.
1: You, you, yeah, you, yeah, and you, you know how that feels, uh, Lisa, when when your riders do well.
2: Yes, and it's you know it's it's just an attribute uh, a tribute to Debbie you know who isn't out there in the sport anymore unfortunately but to have her horses go so well under another rider just proves that uh, it proves the rider and trainer that she was
1: absolutely something in the does. saddle that in she the is saddle. <laughs> yep, yep, and certainly having having a wonderful time there w- with Adrian. And as you mentioned, she won with Felix in the Grand Prix and the special, in in this, uh, and then in the in the. Uh, Freestyle, she won with Wizard on 74.5, and in second place was Leslie Morse with Tip Top on 72, uh, followed by Gunter Seidel with uh, U2 on 71.8, and uh, your friends, all friends of yours, Lisa, of course, in fourth yes. place, Sue Blinks with Robin Hood on 74.5. Good to see Sue Blinks up there, too, on the lead. Yeah,
2: board. yep, she's going to get it. She is definitely going to get it. She's got a beautiful horse. When I was over there with Naomi, I got to watch her train as well as I got to watch Gunter on his U2. And these are, are just fabulous young horses coming in, and now they're going into their second and third years of Grand Prix. So, Or at least Gunter's going to his first, but Sue's Robin Hood. That's a jazz, and we all know that is hot-blooded material, and he is spectacular. So it looks like she's getting her... Getting... Uh, a good relationship going there, and it seems to be pretty yeah. solid with her yeah. 70% there and her 69%, I believe. What did she have, that Grand Prix? She is doing, yeah, 69
1: Yep, so. yep, good Good. Good for her. Well, well done to to all of them. A wonderful weekend of sport over there in Thermal, uh, California, out in the desert there. And when you mentioned uh, some breeding earlier, I thought about the story we had about uh, Don Shufro, Lisa. I don't know if you noticed this in the news this past week. He's now actually been officially retired from competition, um, and that took place at the Paul Schokomöller Stallion Show in Vector. Where the owner uh, Blue Horse Stud showed several of its stallions to the public, and that horse, well known to you, of course, seventeen years old now. Um, with with I just n- can't
2: believe it. It seems like we. I tried to keep him ten as long as I can, <laughs> and he's
1: seventeen. I can't believe it. Uh, and and his offspring, I mean, are numerous. Uh, so so many horses that that, of course, known to you, known very well to you. Um, and did you say you have some some of his offspring too?
2: Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, the dead, the Iro, the one that is going. I have him. He's gone. I too, and I am. Uh, doing all the movements for the Grand Prix, I just haven't taken him out Grand Prix yet, is a Don Chufro, as is the Dollar, the seven-year-old that I'm going to have my rider do the developing horse with. Fabulous horses. The, De- the Dollar is a stallion's tail, but uh, Euro is a uh, gelding, mm-hmm. and he will be added to that list of Grand Prix horses. He just hasn't gone yet, but uh, he is going to be quite a quite a spectacular horse, I think. He also won, 2002, he was Bundeschampion as a four-year-old.
1: So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, yes, well just as um, just as um, uh, Don Shufro retires, we also hear news of Gribaldi passing away um, just these past few days. The sire, of course, of TOTULUS and uh, IPS Painted Black. Uh, he actually reached a good age, too. He was 17 years of, old, uh, of, of age, but unfortunately he suffered from a ruptured aorta, and uh, that happened just a few days after he was actually officially retired. And uh, those of you who, who know Grabaldi know that he was uh, competed very successfully with uh, Edward Gall. Uh, for what three or four years, from 2004 to 2006, they had a wonderful partnership. And Gribel Sire himself was a tracaner, the Costellani, who performed right. at Grand Prix l- level. Um, you know, a very prominent stallion again. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, uh, Lisa, that we, we're actually talking about these horses in the news, that, that they've made uh-huh. such a name for themselves, that the horses themselves are newsmaking.
2: Well, it's a loss. It is a, an it is. incredible loss. It's one of those that uh, ranks up there with a Donner Hall and a Rubenstein. And watching, you know, if you look at the totalist and the painted black and the offspring this stallion has uh, produced, I hope there's a lot of frozen semen out there. Gosh. Our totalist price just doubled. Yes. <laughs> it's breeding. but. It's just um, sad to lose a stallion at that age. That That's a very young age, if you ask me. I'd like to see him turn to 25 yes. or get to at least 25. But uh, when you see all the fabulous offspring that this stallion was responsible for, it's just a heart-wrencher to lose him like yes. that, and especially so shortly after his official retirement.
1: Yes, exactly. Bye. Yeah. Very sad. Well, uh, well, condolences to Edward Gall there of obviously losing a a great friend. Well, we're going to take a short break now, um, Lisa, before we uh, introduce our guest this week, Tron Asmir, and we'll be back in just a second, so don't go away.
0: Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and we all know that Kentucky Performance products are scientifically developed to address the specific problems... Facing modern horses. One of those problems that's happening right now in the South and going to start happening all over the country, we hope soon, is heat. And horses sweat, and when they do, they lose critical electrolytes. Electrolytes that play a major role in optimal performance. Loss of electrolytes causes fatigue, muscle weakness, and dehydration. Horses offered supplemental electrolytes have less stress-related problems. They rebound from exercise sooner and return to feed quicker after exercise. Summer Games Electrolytes from Kentucky Performance Products were developed for the elite athletes competing in the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. The research-proven formula replaces the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when horses sweat. Its concentrated low-sugar formula provides more electrolytes per dose than many leading brands. When your horse sweats, replenish his losses with Summer Games Electrolytes. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com.
1: Well, Lisa, as I mentioned, I was able to catch it with Tron Asmir, who's the uh, Director of Dressage and Paradressage for the International Equestrian Federation and has been now for a few months, He's just under a year. He joined the FEI at uh, the end of last springtime. Um, but, of course, coming at a time when there's there's always something going on in the sport of dressage and the FEI at that level, lots of politics, um, but also a lot of good things too, Lisa. I mean, we're seeing you know some wonderful... Uh, uh, world championship, uh, world break, record breaking scores and, and an increase in the quality of horses and riders and competition around the world, not least of all in this country. So I was able to catch up with him and, and have a conversation and hear about what, uh, what's going on over there and not least of all on the findings of the recent uh, meeting to discuss Roll course. So let's hear what Tron has to say. Wartron, welcome to the show and thank you for coming on and spending time with us. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Chris. It's exciting to be with you.
1: Well, as I have told you earlier, the, the, the Dressage Radio Show now is reading such a wide audience and a new audience too, Tron. So I think this is a great opportunity for, for you to come on the show and talk about not only the issues of the day, um, but also all the exciting things that are happening in the sport these days. And I know you've been in office for, what, less than a year now, but uh, you've had lots on your desk already.
3: Yes, uh, in fact, uh, I came in 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 June last year, but I've always been busy and uh, deeply involved in the dressage and the equestrian sport anyway. So it was that way not new to me. I'm an international judge. I've been in the uh, board of the Norwegian National Federation and an active rider myself. So it was not new that way. But, I mean, it was the most exciting of all times I could come into it. Um, We have seen uh, fantastic development in our sport. Uh, I think uh, what we see now, uh, all the attention around freestyle, which is, it makes the sport so much more interesting and understandable for people who don't have any deep insight in our sport, uh, it makes it really go out to so much more people. Um, in the European Championships last summer, we had record number of audience, We had record number of results. We had the most fantastic uh, performances we have ever seen. So so the sport itself is developing fantastically well uh, and um, also all the work which was done by a task force for dressage uh, during a year's time from late autumn 2008 to late autumn 2009 was fantastic because they have proposed a number of good changes to our sport uh, and i think it's a once-in-a-lifetime possibility really to to develop so much uh, new things for our sport we do not take away any of the classic riding in it it's just to see how can we do it better than we do it today and that includes for example um, uh, small changes or more dramatic changes as well in the in the judging panel. Uh, it could mean the differences in the process and the the whole setup around our championships uh, to have more emphasis on the on the top ones but at the same time being able to develop the the dressage the, uh, in the not so well developed countries. So it's really happening a lot here, and it's so exciting.
1: Well it it certainly is i mean not least of all as you mentioned the world records that are being broken tron i mean that is fantastic as you said you've been in the sport a long time and watched the growth of it and of course we always have these leading nations that are that are raising the bar every time but it it, it is a very very exciting time for the sport when, when you wonder where can it go next are we going to get to 100% <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, Well, uh, the the world record holder, uh, Edward Gall, when he got his 92% in Olympia in London before Christmas, in the press conference, he said, uh, well, that would be my goal with it. Well, we, we, we are dealing with a living animal, uh, and I don't think we will come to the 100%, but we are now on 92% as the record, and it's not because of the uh, when inflation in the setting of the marks. It is really that good, uh, and that is the most interesting part of it. Because I can tell you that in my office here in Lausanne in Switzerland, uh, I have a cross And I had made a deal with the owner of Totilas when he reached 89%. (laughs) That that when he reached 90, we should both have a cross in the ceiling. And I have it.
1: (laughs) So what will you put on your ceiling if he reaches like 95 or 98?
3: I think I will tear it down, the whole (laughs) ceiling.
1: (laughs) <laughs> but th- I think what is so exciting, Tron, is is the number of nations now that are raising the bar. I mean, w- w- let's take Britain, for example. Just last week we had, a couple of weeks ago, we had Laura Bechtelsheimer on the show. And, w- w- you know, listening to the British and watching their results, who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, that their their dressage has come up to the level that it has. That's very exciting, isn't it?
3: It's fantastic. Uh, and I've been following the dressage in, or the development of the dressage in England for many, many years. I've been judging that for many years. Uh, and uh, uh, I've seen the, the, the very uh, constructive, very very well-organized way they are developing the sport. They're really using a lot of professionalism in it. Uh, and it, it shows that it works. Um, and it's it's exciting that we don't have only Holland and Germany uh, competing in the top there, and of course Laura is uh, for the time being the the big star in in Great Britain, but they have a number of good uh, riders and horses uh, uh, just around her. So it's not a one star; it's a it's a whole team. It is, uh, yeah. and and to be able to obtain that, they they really have a good base. Mm-hmm. A national show in, in England now normally have between 20, 25 riders in the Grand Prix. So it's it's, it's really a good base to work on to, to get also the tops.
1: And, of course, here in the U.S., we also, I mean, when you look around the number of quality horses that are available in this country and the increasing standard of of uh, riding, too, that's, that base has broadened extensively over the last 10 15, 20 years uh, similarly. And that has to be exciting from where you're looking in Europe, Tron. because so much dressage has been based in in, in classically and traditionally in Europe. But now this sport is is certainly a worldwide sport and and you're getting as much competition from the Americans as you are within Europe.
3: Yes, that's right. Um, And I I think that's a fact everyone uh, has realized for a time. for quite a number of years now, that, uh, that the U.S. has the ability to, and the resources to, to, to fight with the best ones. Uh, but can I just mention one other country, which I think is exciting just now? That's Brazil. Oh, uh, yes. They have a development plan for research going now up to for, 2016 for the Olympics. And already this year, 2010, they will have seven international shows, CDI shows, in Brazil. Um, I'm not sure how many participants they will have for each of them, but, but just the way they are preparing for the future, that, that will bring results quite soon. So I'm excited to see also countries coming after uh, the top ones, that they are really going so deeply into it and so, uh, with so good uh, basis for it.
1: Well, it is very exciting when you think how, I mean, this is a sport that's, you know, achievable to so many um, and it, it's such an accessible sport, too. And I want to talk a little bit uh, later on about the para equestrian element, because, yeah. of course, you're responsible for that as well. Yeah. But when we think of the, what's happening in the sport or all, all, the, all the positive development of the sport, we also have to address the things that have not given us favorable publicity in recent times. And mm. it's a bit like a Chinese meal, isn't it, Trond? It's, you've got the sweet and the sour.
3: <laughs> That's right,
1: <laughs> and and not least of all, of course, the c- very controversial issue of of roll call. And only only on just a few days ago, on on February the ninth, uh, you had a that uh, pivotal meeting in uh, at the IOC headquarters there in Lausanne to discuss the roll Corps and came out with a definitive decision. Let, let's talk a little bit about that because that was instigated to a certain extent by the controversial video that we saw from Odense. Um, Competition in Denmark uh, last year, and Patrick Kittle, that that was, if you will, the instigator of of this recent review. Talk us through that process and how the the FEI came to this decision, if you would, Trun.
3: Yeah, uh, could I just start a little bit earlier because um, this is not a new issue. Uh, already in 2006, FEI had a, a conference uh, on this uh, issue. Indeed. Uh, Uh, Because it had already been um, quite controversial for some years. I I think it's it's a fact that whenever someone develops a new technique, new style, uh, something like that, uh, it will be controversial. We have seen it in other sports as well. Um, so, So to have a good discussion around it, I think that is positive and that brings the sport forward. Uh, but but you're right. Uh, it was the video of uh, a rider in Uden, in Denmark, who which really brought us uh, uh, brought us to the top attention of the of the world. In fact, um, I think there has been over more than one hundred thousand uh, views uh, on that video. So of course, it has been a major thing also for us. Um, We we saw the discussion coming up, and we also saw that we did not have good enough guidelines um, for the warm-up arenas how our rules today should be implemented and used uh, at the warm-up arena. Uh, so, So that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have a discussion among all uh parties uh, in this game so we took the initiative to the conference we had as you said on now on tuesday so we had representatives from uh, everything from riders trainers of course vets with different views uh, commercial interests communications interests, uh, and and the rest of the sport Uh, We had some national federation. um, We had a large representation. We were all all together 22 people, um, also horse welfare people. Um, And it was a fantastic day. Um, I think my understanding, my feeling is that we came further in our decision-making process than we could have expected to come. Uh, we got an agreement uh, on a couple of uh, major issues. Uh, it was clearly stated that uh, aggressive riding is not anything we can permit in any way, Can cannot be sanctioned anyway. Uh, we also uh, clearly said that we have to define the different words better. Um, we have often been using the words roll-cure hyperflexion, and uh, low, deep, and round, the LDR, um, among each other. We we haven't really defined it, and that we did. We said that uh, roll curve and hyperflexion being the same thing, uh, that is uh, uh, flexion in the horse which is obtained by an aggressive riding, while LDR uh, is uh, not obtained that way. So that is a positive way to ride. Um, So I think based on this, we will now have a working group uh, going through how this should be implemented uh, and how we can expand the current guidelines we have for the stewards for the shows, how this uh, should be done. So um, and that will take a little bit of time uh, and we couldn't expect to have everything ready. There and then in, in four and a half hours. So I'm quite excited over the results we came to. Uh, and from what I've seen also in the press and all the feedback we have gone, I think the, the whole world, in, uh, most of the world, uh, is following us, uh, being happy and uh, satisfied to the results we came to.
1: Well, it certainly has been a very, very hot topic. I mean, the the media has been buzzing. the the, the dressage world, the, the the horse world has been really a buzz with this issue. And I I, I I noticed there was there was a, a website that was set up in opposition to this after the video was released. Were you surprised that there was like over twelve thousand signatures to the to the FEI uh, progressive list, for example? I mean that 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 the public is responding so strongly to the FEI um, and the developments that have taken place. I mean, we're now a little bit off track uh, from roll call, but this kind of public reaction to FEI decisions, does, does that surprise the FEI? No, uh, not at all, in fact.
3: But it is, in fact, the first time we see these sort of uh, results on it. Um, we have had, we had 41,000 signatures given to us uh, uh, on Tuesday, also from the web regarding um, uh, roll uh, So, like so 41,000,
1: I think, wasn't it? Um, 41,000, yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I don't think we are surprised about it, but these are probably
3: the two first issues which have come up uh, on a broad basis uh, after uh, the web being used like this. So it's the first time for us, but it's not a surprise because uh, we know that the web works like this. And it, it's, of course, extremely interesting for us also to to be able to follow it because normally uh, until, until these two cases, uh, we mostly got the response from the people deeply involved in the sport now we also get response from people who are generally in, interested in the sport and in the horses. So so it gives us a, a broader um, communication base with the, with the world than we have had before.
1: Well, not least uh, of all, of course, through the use of new media and social networking sites like Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, I, I mean, I mentioned the progressive list because that has has, has caused such an incredible response. But going back to Rolkur, yeah. um, the... The, statements that, the, the statement came out of the FEI that uh, obviously that aggressive force is not acceptable. How do you measure aggressive force? This is obviously down to the stewards that you'll be educating to, to police this um, in mm-hmm. the warm-up area. Um, that seems to me to be pretty grey area. How do you define aggressive and how do you define when a horse is being disciplined for a sustained period? Is that becoming aggressive? It, it, do you not think that this might leave it a little bit sort of a gray area for the interpretation of the steward that day
3: yeah it is a difficult area uh, we agree on that uh, but that is also exactly why we have formed this working group which is headed by the resource committee chair frank kepperman uh, to really expand on the current co- guidelines uh, be- because we realized that without doing that uh, their stewards will be left out there in a grey area. so So that is a, a major issue for us to to define better what they should look for, uh, and we of course already have some drafts on on part of it uh, where we tell quite clearly uh, about some of the signs of a distressed horse or a fatigue horse uh, or or a horse which uh, is not comfortable. Uh, so, so, uh, and the stewards will receive much more uh, deep uh, education and training than they have today, because everyone realizes that without that, we will not reach the goal here. So, so, you are absolutely correct, Chris. It is a sort of a gray area where we have to define better uh, how we shall do this.
1: And you've mentioned that you introduced the use of closed-circuit television for warm-up areas at selected shows. Uh, can you give us a better idea what those selected shows would be? Would they be just at the World Cup Series? Would they be national championships, regional championships? Where, where, do, you, where do you think you will get to start with that uh, trend?
3: Uh, we have not taken that discussion at all so far. This was done on Tuesday, and we have simply not had the time to to go into that. Um, this also comes a little bit together with uh, our project, The Clean Sport, uh, where we are also looking for uh, closed-circuit TV uh, possibly in the stables. So so we will look at those two projects uh, parallel to, to see how we can do it in the best possible way. And, you know, it it's not an easy task because uh, some shows have four warm up arenas others have one um so so we have to 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 really secure that we do this in the best possible way but um, my uh, feeling about it is that it will not be only the top shows uh, um we have at least the same level of problems on on uh, lower level shows so so um, uh, no we, we have to look into it we have not defined it yet
1: well, certainly that's a big task I think to satisfy everybody on that, but certainly the FEI uh, seem to be making a step in the right direction by addressing it in a way um, th- that is embracing everybody's concerns and, and with yeah, I, think
3: we, I, I think we are um, going the right direction here. Um, uh, as I said when you started talking about uh, the, the conference, uh, I think we reached uh, uh, much further than any of us had uh, expected when we started the meeting that day, because we realized that there is a big difference be- between the interest groups. Um, uh, so so it, it's difficult to find something which uh, embraces everyone and satisfies everyone. Uh, and I'm so happy that we reached a consensus on, on these things, because that will make it also much more easy to, to implement it.
1: And the German Equestrian Federation, of course, came out in support of that and just really underlining, underscoring the, the uh, principles that they uh, based their uh, rule book on, national rule book as well as the international rule book. And is this something the FEI would be encouraging other national federations to do publicly declare their position to, Tron, um, based on the, the meeting that you've had this, week, this past week?
3: Well, what we did before the meeting was that we went out to all the national federations and asked for their input, and we we did get mainly from the from the main dressage nations, um, and I think we from all of them we have a good support from what was decided, uh, and it's uh, what we have seen in, in other cases also is that when FBI rules some on something like this. Um, The national federations uh, uh, will easily pick it up and and do it uh, in their own countries. So so, uh, I think just that we um, made the conclusions we did will make many, many national federations do the same in their home market.
1: Well, of course, it is a very big year with the World Equestrian Games coming up and having that to deal with and the progressive list, as I mentioned earlier, two very hot topics that have created quite a following and quite an interest and quite a response from the horse world generally. but there's other things on your plate that are much more fun to deal with, though, <laughs> Trond, I'm sure. And not least of all, wearing your hat, uh, responsibilities for para, uh, dressage. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that because that is a very much an emerging sport and. Absolutely. And one that I believe you're particularly interested in developing.
3: Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and I have been, uh, also uh, before I started here in FAI, I've been deeply involved in it. Um, you know, we have been through a process where most of the national federations have taken over the responsibility for, for para-riding from specialized para-federations in the different countries. Uh, and I was responsible for that uh, process in the Norwegian Federation, in fact. Uh, so my interest started already there. Um, and it's a highly professional part of our sport. Uh, I'm I must I, say, maybe I was a little bit green when I came into it, but I, I'm uh, I'm positively surprised uh, to see how professional it is. Um, and we we see great uh, developments uh, both in the organization of it, but also in the level of it. I mean, if, if you go back only some few years, most of the riding for para was done on borrowed horses. Today, when you go to to a big show, uh, the, the level, the quality of the horses is. At exactly the same level as we have for for able riders, so the able-bodied riders. So it's a, it's really a development which has gone much much faster than it has done for for dressage such as such.
1: Which countries do you see emerging most prominent then? Over uh, once we get to the World Equestrian Games, from from where you're sitting now, what 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 do you predict to be uh, making <laughs> the the news?
3: I don't think it's right for me to to make any statements on which nation I think will uh, will win there. Um, of course, as a Norwegian, I must hope for the Norwegians to do a good show as well. But <laughs> but but I can mention one one nation which I think is uh, is quite exciting, and that is South Africa. Um, they have for the last years had one very good rider uh, who has won gold medals and done a very good thing uh, now they're working uh, consequently on broadening the base there and having more good riders so we have been in uh, cooperation with them so that they are now this year um, organizing their first international shows uh, to qualify uh, their riders for, for, for the World Equestrian Games so it. It's, it's really a good example of one nation which had one top, and now they're broadening it and, and probably getting a good team for, for Kentucky. So that, I think that's a good example of it.
1: Right. What is the FEI doing specifically to help develop para-dressage, Tron? What, what what, what, what's on your to-do list with, with that aspect of, of dressage?
3: Well, it, it's uh, also a little bit up to the to the nations uh, how much they are prepared to do, but but I can give you one good example of it. For Latin America, we have now appointed one person in the Para Committee to have a special responsibility to to look at development in in Latin America, not only for the riders but the trainers, judges to see how the whole. Um, community uh, uh, around para is developing uh, we did have one before who also did a fantastic job but we have uh, now taken it closer to the to the FIA itself um, and that's a good example of how we are looking into helping uh, regions or nations which are prepared uh, to develop
1: and, of course, now we're getting very close to the World Equestrian Games. We've just come off the World Dressars Masters uh, event in Florida um, just a couple of weeks ago. Yes very very exciting there seeing the Europeans come over to the US and so we get a sense uh, you know of what the competition is even though Edgar and uh, um, Adalind were, were not here uh, of course a great job by by Anki and very tough competition or, already with uh, of course our main hope Stefan Peters here yes it, it is an indicator of where where the, the sport is is going it, it's as you mentioned earlier the tron uh, the 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 public um, support of this sport now is very exciting. When you see that they are have getting better public uh, uh, spectator support than even jumping, who would have thought that that would happen to the sport? Uh, it, 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 it must be very heartening for the FEI to, to see that, especially when the level of competition is being raised, and so is the support from the public.
3: Yeah, and I think we should be very thankful for a handful of people who saw the, the possibilities to develop our sport through introducing more of the freestyle, because it's no doubt that the freestyle is what is attractive to the general public who don't have a deeper understanding. Um, even I think it's much more fun to watch that than the, than the other tests. Uh, and it was a lot of uh, opposition to, to go the way um, FEI finally went. Um, so so those people who were, looked so well into the future, I think we should really thank them for the work they did at that time because uh, at, at Windsor for the European Championships this, last year it was the, the atmosphere was unbelievable yes.
0: um,
3: it, it was so fantastic and we I mean, are of course looking forward to the same in, in Kentucky
1: yeah.
3: and we know that uh, the US uh, spectators are normally much more enthusiastic than the more reserved European. So who you knows? Sure.
1: <laughs> well, I think they showed that in Vegas for the World Cup a few years ago. If you remember, that uh, was an incredible support from the. Oh yes. There. So. Uh, oh yes. I think we're in for a big time when you all come to Kentucky. It's going to be very, very exciting. And I just want to ask you, Tron, when the time comes and you reflect on your term in the FEI, what would you like your legacy to be? <laughs>
3: Um, it's a couple of things. Uh, one is that we have developed the sport in more countries than we have today, uh, because I see that the very top of the sport that develops itself. Uh, it's not the FEI's uh, um, work which has made Edward Gall, uh, breaking the world record. Uh, But our job is more to to make it uh, also uh, available for for the rest of the world and build that base. And if I can help with that, that is one important thing for me. And then uh, I must say that uh, all the time since 2006, when we had a previous conference on on roll cure and hyperflexion, that has been uh, a difficult stone on the shoulders of many people. And I see that we can develop that uh, further now, and I'm really happy that we can do that.
1: Well, as, as we know, it's a very interesting and exciting time. We certainly look forward to welcoming Europe over to the U.S. for the first World Equestrian Games outside of Europe. And, and the level of competition here, I think, is going to be thrilling for everybody concerned. So uh, thank you very much for spending time with us, Tron. We know you have a very busy year ahead of you. And not least of all, addressing the, all aspects of dressage and, and para-dressage. And I hope you'll come back on the show
3: thank you so much chris but i cannot promise you 100% result
1: <laughs> all right well thank you so much trond i appreciate it thank you well that was uh, that was very interesting lisa um you know there's 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 always something that's a hot issue in the sport and uh, roll call has certainly become that at the moment hasn't it
2: yes it has yes it has uh i'll be interested to see how we're able to implement our stewards and uh, particularly grey areas of how many seconds, minutes and so on and so forth. But I I think we're on a good way and I think it's going to be something that just takes time to implement.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, we will follow that with interest as indeed the whole of the dressage world is. And we're going to take another break here for just a second, and then we're going to come back in here from Lisa on her tip of the week. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a second.
0: Hi, Glenn the Geek here, founder of the Horse Radio Network. We've been getting a lot of emails lately about the quality programming we have on the Horse Radio Network with all the different shows that we do. Many people are asking us what they can do to help the Horse Radio Network grow and expand the range of programming even further. There are three ways you can help. The first is to keep listening every week and to subscribe through iTunes or Zoom. The second is to support our sponsors and write them emails and tell them thanks for supporting the shows. And the newest way you can help is through Amazon. The next time you need to get something or anything, really, through Amazon, just stop by the website at dressageradio.com and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Amazon gives us a percentage back for anything you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. All it costs is a couple of clicks to come on to our website first and click on the banner before you buy anything at Amazon. It's that simple. You were going to buy it anyway, and coming to the dressageradio.com website first helps you support the Horse Radio Network. We thank you for listening and supporting us here at the Horse Radio Network.
1: Well, Lisa, I started last week um, a new segment um, or introduced a new segment, and I was just want to remind our listeners to write into us and post your suggestions on Facebook for great partnerships, partnerships in dressage that had to be retired now, um, but those that uh, you remember fondly and would like us to recall, recount and would have the rider on the show and talk about those partnerships. And, uh, of course, we, we all have... Uh, memories of wonderful partnerships over the years, don't we, Lisa? Of really great horses. Sure do.
2: We really do. And I think that's a great idea. I think uh, a lot of these riders out there could could tell you stories about their <laughs> their partnerships with previous horses. If it were Anki, Isabel, Stefan, Robert, Gunter, oh my goodness.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I, I would. and going back too. I mean, you know, for those listeners with a longer memory, um, for some really classical partnerships, uh, you know, back in the day, as they say, uh, there's just so many to choose from. If you had to just think of one off the top of your head, Lisa, who would that be? Oh my, putting you on there the spot. There are so, huh? many. so
2: yeah, many. Yeah, there are so many. So but, many. But uh, I think Reiner Klimke and Alaric is always going. Yes. Something that, that just kind of stands out as historical and amazing. And when I go back and I look at it now and I look at Totalist, I'm thinking, wow, there's a big, huge development. And uh, my thoughts then, watching them in Los Angeles, goosebumps. And uh, I I just think we've had a lot of fantastic partnerships, if I think about it. And I think Kira and Matador and Karen Rabine and Donner Hall. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. It just goes on and on. Yes. Yes. It
2: really goes does. on and on. There isn't. There isn't one particular. I. You know. And if, even if it's Nicole Lupoff and Rembrandt.
1: Oh, absolutely. Loved that pair. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. 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 There was just. Just. Uh, I think that uh, we've had some phenomenal relationships horse rider relationships and the fun thing is is now we're watching new relationships come on edwards had several horses and now he has his totalist and all of a sudden it's it's a it's it's amazing you watch it and i've you know just talking to stephen clark and other people who've watched it there's such a an amazing feeling watching the two It's it's harmonious the pair are so in tune to each other
1: Yes, and
2: uh, I think that's what you're looking for in those those particular great partnerships that we've we've seen yep. in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, mentioning Stephen, I'm I'm hoping to get him on the show. You know, be, have you seen the beautiful book? Of course, you're in that book with Relevant, um, that wonderful book, Dressage Dreams of Stephen Clark. yes. Clark's.
2: The yes as a matter of fact, I, I right away ordered thirty. Did you? Really? <laughs> Christmas time? <laughs> I said, they're no, like, Lisa, are you serious? I said, yes, never been more. 30 and I need them yesterday. <laughs>
1: uh, it is a but, really delightful book and some wonderful partnerships in there, not least of all, You with Relly. And there's a lovely picture of you uh, with, with him um, in the, what, it, what are those yellow in flowers. The is yes. it mustard, is it? Well, Senator. Rapsfelder. Rapsfelder, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, was... and
2: my favorite photographer, Arnt Bronkhorst.
1: Oh, Arnt, yeah, he took that, did he? Yes. Yes, yeah. he did. Well oh, we had such a he took some amazing
2: photos that day where we uh not only did some training photos, but then off just back around the farm if the if the farmers only knew I was trompsing around through their fields. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Quick. Shoot.
1: But uh
0: No,
2: no, no. uh, I have to say, Stephen did a fabulous job. You can just get lost in that book, sitting there reading about all these riders and how they got their start and how they began and their horses and the bloodlines of the horses and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Really fabulous. I think he did a marvelous job with that.
1: Beautiful, beautiful book that's gracing my coffee table, and it sounds like it's going to grace you the coffee tables so, oh, oh, of. Oh, yes, 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 uh, indeed I have. And, uh, it it, uh, it, sounds like it's going to grace, be gracing the coffee tables of most of your friends by Bye. <laughs> the <sense> of things. <laughs> Yes, it is, as
2: a matter of fact. But let me tell you, that was probably, I got a lot of uh, positive feedback. One of oh, the best I'm Christmas sure. presents they'd had.
1: I'm up sure. Up until
2: this point.
1: Beautiful, beautiful book. Um, well, great, and lots of great partnerships in there. Well, wonderful. Well, we're coming to to your tip of the week, Lisa, and I think you've got a great idea that you need to share with our listeners about bits and bitting.
2: Yes, I think there's there's always a, uh, huh, I guess a. a misunderstanding or misconception of the thin and the thick bit, and I think that for me in general, I like to see the horses go in a thicker bit, therefore the pressure to the mouth is softer, therefore the reaction of the horse is going to be more or less like I would rather have a horse feel like taffy in the reaction to a half halt than feel like he he gets rigid and braces over the back. I rather see the half halt take a moment to come through mm-hmm. and repeat myself several times before it becomes more immediate, immediate than to take a sharp bit and have the horse over, you know, a long period of time begin to brace to the pressure of a sharp bit.
0: Yes. And what
2: I have found is with my uh young horses if I need a correction, then I try to keep the correction a two-day thing. Then I'll put a thinner bit in if he's just getting more stronger than I could possibly manage. Then I'll put my thinner bit in, but I'll um, I'll keep it really down to a two day, three day max, and go right back to my thick bit. And then I, I am always um, positively um, with, the, uh, with the with the the way he receives the bit then. He's very soft, very anxious to just find the connection, and when you make the half halt, the reaction he yields. He stays st- soft over the top line, and there's no rigidity in the half halt. <clears throat> and so if I can give you a tip, it would be this. Stay honest, do your homework, and as Aaron Stoll said, torture yourself, not the horse. And if you can get yourself to just, Grin and bear a couple of half-halts, if it takes 15 or 20, I don't care, that are not necessarily so immediate and they feel a little bit like taffy, but the top line doesn't brace or get rigid. Then rather do your work and take your time and get it done this way, but if it absolutely gets to the point where the horse is up and above the bit and taking you for a ride, well, then go ahead and get your thinner bit, your sharper bit, Do the correctional half-halts you need to do over the next two days, but then get yourself back into that soft bit, thicker bit, if it's a hollow snaffle. You know, and I'm talking a big, thick bit that uh, allows the horse to uh, relax in a transition, not tighten.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, very right. important. And and also, uh, uh, I think we should just mention one other thing that I think that sometimes there's the, a misunderstanding about is the effective use of the curb chain, Lisa, and what is correct right. and what is not correct in the fitting and use of a curb chain.
2: Correct. And it's often here that we see that uh, the, the curb chain is either too loose and so when the curb is taken for the moment that it might be needed in a half halt, it's parallel to the ground, which it should not be. It should really sit at about a 45-degree angle, 45 degree angle at the most. Or you see it so tight that when you take it, the shank doesn't move at all. And ideally, the curb is to be used in the moment of the highest collection let's just say just as you're beginning to go into a pirouette it's just to get that little last bit of control as you need to get the horse to stay on the spot and active but it's there has to be a release it's a half halt you you take the pressure of it and then you release it through the squeeze and relaxation of the fist and this is what I often see The curb is not what we should be riding on. It's the bradoon that we should be riding on. And often what I see is the riders having a strong horse, and rather than to get him through on the bradoon, they'll shortcut, take the curb, and the quick fix. They think they can get the horse round on it. Well, it is a quick fix. However, that pressure over a prolonged period of time is going to cause the horse to brace its jaw, its pole and hold its underneck to the pressure it's feeling on the curb, on the chin there.
0: Right. So
2: for that quick fix, there's a long-term negativity if it's used often, if it's just used straight Absolutely. to keep that horse wrong, round. And uh, the, the point is what I try to do is pad the curb so that and, I, and and every horse is very different. Some horses are exceptionally sensitive there. So I pad the curb so that there's no sharpness whatsoever when I need to ask for a moment for them to yield to the curb. Mm-hmm. But it really is a momentary thing. You shouldn't see the riders riding on the curb. That should not be your primary primary half halt. Should be on the bridum. The mm-hmm. curb is really just for a moment. And then you need to be looser on it. Right. And, uh, yeah. Good if it, it's, yeah. And so that's that's something that I think that if riders will just honestly do their homework, and honestly means you're going to have to sweat a little bit to get a horse through on the snaffle,
0: mm-hmm.
2: on the redoon right. part of it, then you're going to find later down the road, you're going to pat yourself on the back and go, wow, this horse is so lovely to ride. Yes. And look at it, he's smiling.
1: Yes. That was only a smiley. Good advice, Lisa. Well, thank you very much for that. And, uh, well, we're just about playing Running Out of Time this week, everybody. But don't forget to, um, to send in your suggestions for the great partnerships. You can email me, as ever, at uh, chris uh, at com, Or you can leave a voicemail, two seven zero eight zero three zero zero two five. 270-803-0025. You can follow our show notes, of course, at dressageradio.com. Follow uh, our fan page, of course, and leave your comments there on Facebook. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio, and you can follow me at Chris E. Stafford. Uh, We'd like to thank our sponsors again who make this show possible. And we look forward to catching up with you again, Lisa, down the road. I know uh, you've got more shows uh, coming up, and, of course, you've got your auction as well. So we look forward to talking to you more about that as we get closer to it. Um, so un- until we meet again next time, uh, have fun out there, Lisa, um, and take and care. Thank- and thank yes, and thank you. And I'm looking forward to the next the next round.
2: And maybe you can make it down for that old auction.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you're that not too fun. busy, that would, that would be, be fun, fun too. That would be a lot and, of fun.
2: And to all you guys out there, thanks for listening, and have a safe ride.